What up? This is Yinka Diz. Peace. This is Outlaw. And you're listening to the 80s Babies Podcast. And today we're coming at you with another Make It A Classic. We've got the, I guess, debut or the only LP from the Death Squad Collective. Yeah, which they, is... they did um, the Eric Onassis album as Death Squad Presents. Is Eric that what that was? Onassis, but yeah. So this is the 1998 June 30th release of El Nino by Death Squad. So we got uh, Reggie Noble, Eric Sermon, and Keith Murray. Yeah. Reggie Noble, also known as Redman. Yes, sir. So we're doing a Make It a Classic, and I guess we'll just get right into it. This is actually a, a feedback episode, I guess we can say. Um, okay. Ken Dog, who we had previously, my homeboy that I grew up with, who was on a previous episode, recommended that we discuss this album. And so we are tackling this album as kind of a response to that request. So what prompted his request? I think I probably met Kenny around the time that this album came, maybe mm -hmm. like a year or half a year before that. So I think this album came at a time where we were really defining what we thought was good and bad hip hop. Okay. And you know, it was like a album from obviously someone from a legendary hip hop group, as well as two very formidable lyrical MCs. And then had a song that like kind of was a throwback to obviously to a historical record. So I think, I think this was kind of a little bit of a, a history lesson for us okay. when we were kind of coming up. And I think that's part of the reason why he wanted us to do it. All right. So real quick, several mm -hmm. things to unpack there. Got two questions I need to ask. First, are you suggesting that Death Squad is a legendary hip hop crew? No, I'm suggesting that EPMD is a legendary hip hop okay. group and Eric Sermon is a member of that group. All right. And so the two lyrical powerhouses, in which case, obviously Redman would be one and the other right. would be Eric Sermon. Keith Murray. Actually. Keith Murray. Yeah. I think okay. at the time, Keith Murray was definitely considered as a formidable lyrical MC. All right. Cool. I guess, do you want to just start with like the where were you? Yeah. So I remember when this album came out, there was other things going on for me. I want to say that the Killer Beast of Swarm album was coming out soon. Mm -hmm. I want to say that was like July or August. I'm trying to think what I was, was really August. listening to that summer. I might have just been listening to a lot of Wu-Tang this summer. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I was really on this, but I was well aware that it was out because the year prior, mm -hmm. in the beginning, it was rap. That's the 1997 collaborative effort. Yeah, and that was basically that. like a, a, a celebration of 20 years of hip hop. Mm -hmm. And the Death Squad Delight or the Rapper's Delight, mm -hmm. that was a hit that came out on that album. In fact, that was probably like right. the lead single that they had, yep. which we'll talk about that. But it's basically Death Squad doing their best uh, Sugar Hill Gang impression. Right. Uh, basically, they, they take all the lyrics from the song and they just put their own names on it and everything it. like yep. that. Yeah. So I was definitely bumping to that. Um, and I remember the song Full Cooperation, mm -hmm. which and <laughs> might also be the first Shake song ever. Uh, if That's you really crazy. hear that beat. Yeah, that if you is, hear it, it makes you want to shake. It, but does, it definitely does make you want to shake. Way before the shake Yes, came yes, out. yes. Yeah. And I understand that Neptune's had the Super Thug, but Super Thug's not really a shaking song to me. Yeah, this, no, don't, like this song definitely is. For sure. Anyway, but they had the Full Cooperation video. Mm. And essentially the video was basically each member of the group was reenacting a certain scene from an Eddie Murphy movie so I forget what the Keith Murray one was but yeah. with 
It might have been, Keith Murray one might have been like 48 hours or something like that. But Eric Sermon was reenacting The Nutty Professor. That's and dope. Redman was that. reenacting Trading Places, where Eddie Murphy starts out in the in the beginning on a crate pretending like he doesn't have any legs. Right. Uh, so, yeah, so I just remembered that video. I don't think I actually heard this album until the fall of that year, or possibly, even, possibly even the next year. And one of my friends had it. I'm not sure if it was Koi, but I borrowed this album uh-huh. from a friend of mine and I listened to it for a couple weeks and gave it back and I didn't I haven't listened to it since and once we decided to listen to this I actually forgot that I'd ever heard it. I was like oh yeah I never listened to that album mm-hmm. and then I went back to, to listen to it recently I was like oh no I have listened to this and it refreshed my memory that oh yeah that's right I borrowed it mm-hmm. but the reason why I never grew with this album is because I didn't own it okay so that's but that's kind of where I was in terms of things that were going on things I was listening to yeah so yeah where were you I was just getting to high school. It was my my first year of high school. Like you said, I kind of remember this album coming out in the fall, which is not true. It came Mm -hmm. out in the summer. And I think that's kind of more reflective of the time. I talked about in the previous episodes how... I guess the way I looked at things was like, I'd hear a single. If I liked the single, maybe I liked one or two other singles, then I would explore the album. So I think at the time maybe that I heard this I heard Rapper's Delight, Death Squad Delight, and I liked that. And then maybe Full Cooperation or something Mm -hmm. else was what prompted me to actually go get the album. I think this was one of the albums that Kenny bought and dubbed for me. Is that what it was? I think. And then I went back and I bought the tape because I remember owning this on tape and not on CD, but I remember Kenny owning it on, on CD. But yeah, that, that, that's where I was. Like I said, um, you know, this is like, I'm just getting into rapping myself, you know. Uh, I think I was too. how to battle and yeah. stuff like that. And so this is like, you know, these guys kind of have like a battle, you know, hippity hoppity approach to, to rapping. And I think that's where I was mentally. You mentioned that last point, and that is a good point to mention. That's mm-hmm. kind of key for where I was as well. I was actually getting into the real core of hip hop, right? Yeah. Like, cause like I said, the previous year was when I was learning about Wu Tang, mm-hmm. and thus when I was learning about Wu Tang, learn about music, learn about hip hop music in particular. So I wanted to do everything hip hop. So this was probably around the time where I was probably break dancing as well, mm-hmm. which I was not very successful. I could do like a couple <laughs> moves decently, and the rest of it. I was struggling. And that video, the Death Squad Delight video, I think Crazy Legs is in the video. And there's a bunch of other B-boys from, you know, that original era that are Mm -hmm. in that video. And so I was drawn to that. But also I started tagging as well. And Mm -hmm. I was either drawing portraits and I was or I was working on my my graffiti stuff. I still have all the stuff in a notebook too. So so tell us a little bit about that cuz at me as somebody who is not talented at all in that way like which way? As drawing? a graphic artist, mm-hmm. yeah, drawing, painting, that I'm I suck at all of those things. Yeah. Uh so for you as somebody who you know I guess is na- was naturally talented at that, Thank is you. it something that you just kind of discovered like one day you try to draw and then you compared it to your friends and you were like whoa i'm way better than everybody else or, or what are oh, you talking like? about graffiti or just drawing in general both well okay so drawing in general <laughs> i guess it's getting a little personal but supposedly i was always getting into things when i was younger so that i could mess around with them so whether it be like shaving cream or toothpaste or my mom's like perfume and stuff like anything that I could get my hands on to to spread around and do mm-hmm. something creative with. I suppose I was always doing that. I discovered that I was actually talented at drawing when I was in kindergarten or first grade. Mm-hmm. I was just drawing stuff and then people were like, "Hey, this is actually really good." Right. So when they planted that seed in my mind, I was like, "Oh, okay, I guess I'm good." So by the time I was in the second grade, I was able to take like any of your childhood books 
that had pictures on them, I was able to pretty much like copy all that stuff, right? Okay. So then naturally I started doing more portraits and things. And when it came to doing graffiti, obviously I was really drawn into hip hop. I was like, oh, I'm gonna try to be like rebellious and and do this other tagging art. And I right. was okay. Mm. I wasn't particularly creative when it came to my graffiti. I think mm. that one of the things that really makes you a good graffiti artist is one like if you're with the actual art itself understanding how to use the tools of the cans of the burners of the different knobs or the the different um tips, tips yeah i guess you will right and understanding like how that actually translates from the can to the canvas which would be the wall mm-hmm. and the surface of the wall like all that stuff i never really did much of that okay. um, but that takes a certain i won't call it talent that takes a certain skill that's just like practice right wasn't also part of it like the rebelliousness of where you tagged like were you into like i wasn't really into that i think the most i ever did was tag something on a bathroom stall (laughs) okay you know what i mean maybe like maybe like on a desk or something like that or or like a locker room i never tagged a bridge a wall anything like that a dumpster a train i never did anything like that but with the actual art itself i think what really makes you talented is being able to do something original and still be dope right so what i was doing was i was looking online at the internet and i was just looking up graffiti images and then i was practicing myself to try to emulate what they were doing yeah and to me that's not particularly creative or talented i mean you can even do the same thing with my portraits right i'm sitting here and i'm looking at a person's photo and i'm drawing it and yes it's really good Mm -hmm. but it's not very creative i'm not coming up with my own idea and putting it on paper but wouldn't you say though that that's kind of how everything starts like i mean sure but i never got to the point where i was really creating something unique and i think that what really makes the pivotal graffiti artists stand out are even some of the original stuff that looks simple now right. it was original back then mm-hmm. and that's to me what really separates the the really good graffiti artists right mm-hmm. um the main one that we would talk about now the street artist would probably be banksy but what makes right. banksy so talented isn't necessarily the art itself which is good it's solid it's just the creativity yeah it's the idea like wow i wouldn't think to do that and what he likes to do is he likes to take something that's very simple and innocuous and and friendly, mm-hmm. and then he mixes it in. He mixes it in with a very taboo subject right. to something that gets us to think about. Hey, look how comfortable we are around something that's so ugly, mm-hmm. right? Like that's pretty much where he focuses his art. But I think that at the time with the graffiti artist of the '70s and the '80s. And even, you know, some of the cast in the 90s and stuff like where they were really making their mark was just doing something totally different with the colors and the lettering and the styles and the shading and the, the different techniques. Right. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I would say I think, you know, you, you're not giving yourself enough credit in that. I think that's kind of where it, it all starts. Right. Like you Maybe. look at we talked about uh, DMX and how mm-hmm. how DMX became this transcendental artist. Sure. Um, he started out and he sounded like someone from Onyx, right? Yes, um, well, I mean, you know, him first and right, then right. sticky fingers. Yes. Um, and myself as as an MC, when I when I I guess quote unquote discovered that I was good at rapping or whatever, right? Like I would write poetry. Poetry was fine, but I could hear a verse from whoever, Def Squad, you know, Wu Tang, whoever. And I'd hear it once or twice and I'd memorize it and then I could rap the verse back to people. There and, you go. And, I, and I didn't realize that was a, a gift. I thought mm-hmm. everybody listened to music like that and just nah. heard it and they could rap it back. But then people were like, wow, you know the words to every song. You know what I mean? <laughs> so then that was something that I, you know, I was like, oh, maybe I'm good at this. And then eventually it turned into me writing my own things and, and coming right. up with my own style. So I think, you know, similarly, right, like you, you start your, you know, I guess 
copying portraits or whatever mm-hmm. and then eventually you come up with your own style if you continue to pursue it right this is true this is true i guess i just never really got to that point yeah so but all right so we went way, way so, on a tangent yeah we did we go on the, <laughs> went on a tangent but it lets you know the frame of mind at least where i was yeah. when this album came out yeah definitely. so the critical reception what do you remember yeah. about this I remember Rapper's Delight, mm-hmm. and I remember it was all over the radio, yeah, it was. Um, and it was kind of a, a time frame where um, there was a connection, I think, between the older brothers, uncles, and parents that mm-hmm. knew Rapper's Delight and this new version of Rapper's Delight. So it was like, like I think the older generation thought that mo- the Mo Money Mo Problems of the world were whack because they, they <laughs> took right. like they took it and they made it something different. Whereas Death Squad Delight is Rapper's Delight. Yes. It's literally just a few words switched around. That record was bigger than this project was. Okay. People talked a lot about Death Squad Delight. They didn't talk so much about this project. Um, okay. But the one other thing I'll say about uh, the reception is El Nino the Storm was yes. huge. Yeah. And I think that they kind of were able to piggyback on the fact that the news was talking about El Nino yes. every day. I think it helped the promotion of this album. But this album only went gold. Right. Which at that time, everything, particularly records on Death Squad, if you had a notable MC on Death Squad releasing a project, that shit was going platinum. You know, if it was good, it was going double platinum. I mean, but but you talked about how the single on this was a single already on something else. Yes. So I think they just they didn't have another single that was that big to push it over the edge. Uh, what, do you, what what were your thoughts about the critical reception? I don't remember people talking about this. Okay. And like I said, somebody let me borrow it, and they said, "Okay, this is cool." I remember thinking it was cool, mm. having to jog my memory, and then. Like I said, I gave the CD back to whoever it was. I'm not sure if it was Koi or somebody else. And I never listened to this again. Okay. So this album never grew with me. But that mm. being said, I'm listening to it now and I kind of like it. Yeah. I kind of like it a lot, actually. I I mean, you've, you've heard me, you know, bust down. I mean, I guess we're now talking about our own reception, right? Sure. Um, bust down how I think that Eric Sermon is super underrated. He is super underrated. Um, and I think this is around the time that I really got into Eric Sermon, Def Squad, EPMD, everything. I think the symphony um, mm-hmm. the that 2000 on, came out maybe a year later. It came out on um, um, Out of Business, I think. Yeah, on the Out of Business album. So, you know, between those two albums is around the time that I was like, wow, the, Eric Sermon is amazing. I want to go back and listen to everything that he's ever made. Yeah. And so I actually really liked this when it came out. But I think just to give you an idea of the type of stuff I was listening to, um, Loop Pack, which okay. was Mad Lib's original group, right. um, put out an album around this time. You I were listening that, to that. You know, yeah. Wow. So I was listening to. Like, I definitely wasn't. <laughs> I was listening to like super lyrical MCs and I was battling and I was doing X, Y, and Z. And so this was like right up. It's almost a history lesson in like the breakbeats that they choose, yeah. the, the hooks that they choose. Like it's like. It's almost like an 80s album that happened in the late 90s. You know what yeah. I mean? Just in terms of the aesthetic. Yeah, I feel you. And so it was right up my alley. Okay. The highlights, lowlights? Full cooperation. Full cooperation. Um, I, I wish I had seen that video. Uh, just as an aside, I think that Redman does not get enough credit um, in terms of his creativity in music videos. We always talk about Busta. We always talk about Missy. Yeah. Um, and how creative and, and out of the box they think and left field they think. I think Redman is somebody else we can put in that category. I'm not sure if I would give him that much credit. And the mm. reason why is because if you think about the Dangerous video, you know, that was really something out of left field. And but that was also like a $5 million budget. Fair, right? it was. But to me, Redman is just a damn fool. And mm-hmm. so I enjoy his mm-hmm. persona in these videos. But mm-hmm. 
I wouldn't put him on the same level as like a Missy Elliott who's doing like yeah. some crazy abstract stuff. And I understand there's more budget in those videos. That's cool. I get it. I think Red did a lot of things he doesn't get credit for that okay. other people took later and either did better than him or did at a bigger scale than him. One of those things being the Red Man character uh -huh. and how like y you would see in his videos oh, like the, the Red Man character. The Red, the red cap. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and the like, Timberland boots and with the overalls. Right. Yeah, Superman yeah, lover shit, stuff yeah. like that. If you remember like just after this when he puts out Doc's the name, Doc's the name. he has that video where it's like it's him and Busta. The goodness was the name of the song. And it's like, have you ever seen that? I have. I forget how it sounds. But the video is like... It's like uh, Mortal Kombat or something like that. Okay. And oh, one I player, seen this in a while, one player chooses the Red Man character, and the other player chooses oh, the Buster Rhymes character. I do remember this. Okay, and they have to like okay. go through all these worlds and yeah, fight each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, just dude is a genius with that kind of thing. Like I, I feel like he's super out of the box. But so it's so funny too. Do you think the Red Man kind of predated Buster Rhymes' style a little bit? I mean, look, Buster Rhymes came out with Leaders of the New School in what 1990, 1991, and I want to say that Buster Rhymes was on Scenario before what the album, right? He was but, a part of Native Tongues like in the yeah. like late 80s, early 90s. Right. So yeah, but I, I feel like familiar. a lot of the style that you would hear on Red Man was it uh, There's a Dark Side, mm -hmm. what the album. Even Muddy Waters, to some extent, kind of reminds me of, of Busta Rhymes. But yeah. like those are three albums that came out before Busta Rhymes was had Busta Rhymes. We're yeah. talking right, yeah. So I don't know. I, anyway. I feel you definitely. I, I think there's some some synergy there. Um, the one person that always got the got the Red Man bag was uh, was Craig Mack. People said that Craig Mack stole Red Man's whole style, which is interesting a little okay. bit when you think about it. But yeah, even from a stylistic perspective, Red Man and Keith Murray kind of have the same like tone vocal mm -hmm. tone and so I, I remember in my young my young ears kind of having issues differentiating them on really some of the songs back then yeah i can kind of see that um i want to say on it's uh what's the first death squad record is it the cosmic slap it's on dares a dark side i know that the they might have even had one on what but i think there's one they have a few death squad features mm -hmm. on his second album i want to say keith murray's on there and i could definitely see the younger red man does mm -hmm. kind of sound a little reminiscent of keith murray too mm -hmm. but around this time i had no yeah. problems uh differentiating the two yeah but yeah so back to the high full cooperation ride with us which we found was not on the version that's on spotify yeah, so or... when we do when you all hear this mix you're not going to hear any sound snippets from ride with us because they're just not available online and Yo, i'm not buying the album just to rip the track to put it on the podcast I'm ride with it. us is hard oh um, that joint's so tight and it's got too short and it's got it. too short um, exactly i remember being obviously being in cali at the time everybody loved too short and so that was a record people talked about like the homies it was like oh yeah have you heard ride with us so it's sad that that wasn't there can you dig it and death squad delight okay yeah what about you so highlights for me i really like the way the album starts at least the first several tracks so i like checking me out i like yeah, countdown cool. full cooperation ride with us mm -hmm. um for me, the next track that I like after that would definitely be um, I like Y'all Niggas Ain't Ready, mm -hmm. and I also like Say Word. And then, mm -hmm. of course, Death Squad Delight is definitely a highlight for me. Right. Yo, I want to add as well Jamal, who later is credited as Molly G on Blackout Album and some of the other later Death Squad projects. Jamal is fire on Countdown. Okay. And I feel like he's somebody who I wonder why he never really seemed to be highlighted that much. But he would always just kind of pop up, do a verse on an album, and then you wouldn't see him again. So, uh, yeah, Jamal's a highlight too. Okay. 
getting into the uh, the low lights low lights like shower for example right and first of all i i, I like i like red man's like really zany you know um how? skits how? <laughs> but, uh, but like i, I want I wanted this album to kind of have a direction, and it didn't. And it started out without a direction. Like I, I still don't yeah, know what no, I was, there's no direction on this. I album. still don't know what I was supposed to take away from hearing this album. And it starts off on that note. So, um, showers a little light. I think I liked y'all niggas ain't ready back then. Yeah. Because I felt like I they were trying to give us like what the dirty South sounded like back then. Okay. But it's kind of a low light for me now. Interesting. All right. Um. And like, there's a bunch of these joints I don't even remember. I didn't like rhyming with biz, which I should like rhyming with biz, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Too many skits, maybe. Too many skits. All right. Yeah, that's it. I'll go with the songs first, okay. and then the problems that I have with the album in general. First of all, there's no songs on here that I really dislike. Okay. That being said, there are some songs that are kind of a low light. So, rhyming with biz. Not necessarily a low light, but I want to make it a song. I think it would have done better as a skit, but we'll get into that later. Uh, the game to me is a low light. Mm-hmm. Even Can You Dig It, uh, You Do, I Do, and The Guest List, those songs are all low lights to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason why they're kind of low lights is something that I need to discuss with the album in general. Mm-hmm. These songs are very cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. It's very song, hook, song, hook, song, hook. There's not much variance. And the hooks in general, for the most part, aren't very good they're very simple and it's just like oh let's just put a hook and i think that that kind of detracts from the album and so when we talk about theming i don't necessarily need this album to have a theme Mm -hmm. like say some other albums do Mm -hmm. it is kind of all over the place and i don't necessarily mind that because you know we're talking about mainly we're talking about an eric sermon production and we're talking about a red man kind of album the reason why i say it's kind of a red man album mm-hmm. is because one we had the skits with the w d e f radio mm-hmm. which if you're familiar with his other projects they all have some type of radio wkya we be kicking your ass yeah something <laughs> and so they all had that kind of theming yeah. to it um, so that to me kind of makes sense. The shower intro, I don't even know what's going on. I think if I knew, <laughs> understood what was going on, it would make sense. It sounds like Dang. he and this woman are having sex. Then she goes to the bathroom and it just says, I'm going to kill him. Uh-huh. Comes out, tries to shoot him. The clip is blank. And he's so, like, yeah, bitch. Yeah. And shoots her and then goes off. And it's just like, what the fuck was that? And why did I need to listen to it? Exactly. Like, who? what were you thinking? here? I don't, <laughs> I don't get it. That being said, so some of the other skits I did find... I did. I thought the baby father committee was hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Still, so so uh, nasty Nodge just had me cracking up. Yeah. Um, the fact that she's just like a a, guess a proud hoe who be fucking dudes. She's a highlight on 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 every on every red man on every red man project. She's a highlight. (laughs) So yeah. So I think that the low lights. Yeah, I think I think that just there's just not that much imagination with what they wanted to do. It sounds like um one of the things that I do like about it is I think they all have very good chemistry with mm-hmm, each other, mm-hmm. right? Like we talked before about how I didn't think the locks had good chemistry. Mm. But these folks do. Keith Murray, Red Man, and Eric Sermon, they all sound good together. Yep. And it sounds like something that hey, they all got together in the basement said oh here here's a dope beat let's mm. just put some rhymes on it let's just put some hooks on it and call it a day right. and from 
from one perspective, I like that. I mm-hmm. enjoy that because mm-hmm. that's the hip hop that I remember creating when we have in you know, talk about Coy, when we talk about Carlos. Right, right. Uh, like that's the kind of stuff that we were doing, right? Yep, yep. But that being said, I think that when it comes to a hip hop production, especially for a Def Jam project, mm-hmm. around the time where you've got Big Pun killing it, um, you've got DMX killing it. Uh, you've got Jay Z about to kill it, Lauren right. Hill about to kill it. You got some really serious projects coming yeah. up. I think that they kind of fell short in this area. I agree so with you. that's kind of the lowlights. I guess I'll, we can get into making a classic unless you have some another another take. I will say just to piggyback off what you're saying, I agree. So they packaged this with Survival of the Illest disc, and I remember Kenny had that version. It was a CD, and the, it had a second disc, and the second disc was Survival of the Illest. If you remember, that was the tour that had like Onyx, Method Man, DMX, yes. a bunch okay. of folks on it. Yeah, ja but that Rule. wasn't the Hard Knock Live tour. Um, no, it wasn't. No, it was right. it was yeah, the precursor to that. the Hard right, Knock right, Live right, tour. Right, 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 yeah. right. But um. I think this could almost have been like a performance album. It's almost like a bunch of dudes, like you said, like in a basement, just like kicking rhymes and then being like, oh, yo, somebody drop a hook. And then they come up with like a rhyme off the top, like a yes, yes, y'all, a check, yeah. check, y'all. Like, I mean, that's what the hooks are. They're like, the hooks are like something you would see on, um, what was that Boz Lerman show we used to watch? Uh, the Get Down, right? Oh, right, right, Like, it's right. like none of the hooks are that imaginative. They're almost just there to kind of pass time in between these verses that we're hearing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe if I was going to package this as what it is, I would package this as like a live show where you got like three great MCs, you know, and they're just performing and the crowd is into it. But um, So are we making this a classic right now? You, you going through your take? Or? Nah, nah. I just, okay. I just wanted to piggyback off what you were saying. So well, why don't ahead. you keep it going though? What, how else would you make this a classic? Man. What do you think you would do? Again, I, I don't even think I can go like song for song. Yeah. Um, I think I would I would keep full cooperation how it is. I would keep ride with us how it is. I'm okay with countdown. I'd keep that. I mean that beat goes hard, yo. Yeah, it does. And then I would keep Def Squad Delight. Okay. But as far as this, I think like my general overall is I would not keep Eric Sermon as the overall producer by I agree himself. With you there. Which is crazy because I'm a big Eric Sermon fan. Um, but I agree with you. This is around the time when Dilla starts to differentiate himself mm, as a producer. Okay. I would have Dilla and Eric Sermon as the co-executive producers of this project. The sound that I'm looking for is kind of the sound that you're hearing from Dilla. Dilla's doing a lot of, um, he's doing some far side stuff. He's doing some tribe stuff. He's doing like stuff with like New Jabez and stuff like that. Like, I'm taking like that sound as the sound bed here. Like I said, I want this to be a more focused effort. Mm-hmm. I just can't necessarily say how I would do it. I think this was already a bit of a Redman album, okay. but I think I would I would let Redman be the brains behind it in in, in total, just because really? okay. out of all of these, folks, I'm not sure I would. Out of all of these folks, I think Redman has the best track record with albums. So let me ask you, why do you think this is an album that should have been a classic? I can't necessarily say it should have been a classic, like like easy peasy like that. Um, right. I think we did this as a make it a classic because I didn't think it was good enough to, to be a tribute. Sure. Redman, to me, has multiple albums that you can say might be classics. I'd like um, to know which ones you think those are. I mean... 
no. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, I would go back and forth on some of them. Okay. Um, but I think Redman has uh, albums that are arguable classics. EPMD has albums that are arguable classics. Mm-hmm. Keith Murray's somebody who's like, you know, I'm not at people, all familiar with his catalog. Other than the most beautiful most thing beautiful in the world, thing. I haven't. Yeah. I'm not familiar with his catalog at all. He doesn't Keith have Murray albums. Is not that, somebody who's ever impressed me. He doesn't have albums that people think are classics, but he he was somebody who was supposed to be an impressive MC at the yeah. time. I think I learned he, that he today because I yeah. never rated Keith Murray really? ever. I, I, there's no disrespect. He just never ever did it for me. I remember us when this came out being like, "Oh man, Keith Murray, he's so nice on here." <laughs> and then I'm going back and I'm just like, "This guy's style has not aged well," and like his nah, he's just not that yeah. good. The general consensus was that he was good at the time. We liked wordy MCs, I guess, and he was very, okay. very much that. And then, you know, Eric Sermon, obviously legendary producer. Yes. Um, and so I think those were the the elements that gave it like, this is supposed to be a great album status. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, I think for me, it's difficult to really even consider this as something that should have been a classic because I am looking at the track records of the members in this group. And so, you don't like think said, that Redman has great albums? So it's not that I don't think he has great albums. I'm not sure if they're classic. I'm not sure if they're anything in his discography before this point is tribute worthy, solo tribute worthy. All right. Not necessarily worth it. I think he has stuff that's, that's worth a mention in a quarterly report when we talk about a collection of music, but on its own, a dedicated 35 minutes to 45 an hour just talking about any of his music. You don't I think don't. Muddy Waters or Dare as a dark side of the Those would be the two. Yeah. But at the same time, to me, I think that when you talk about other albums that came out in those in that time frame, it's enjoyable. But to me, it's not something that I would consider worthy, worthy of a tribute, in my opinion. I think that there's other material in that time frame in that kind of scope that's better that being said i think that they're pivotal albums Mm -hmm. and so from that perspective sure like do i think that they are worth us giving them a shout out absolutely say hey look this is a pivotal piece of music but can i actually sit there and have a 45 minute conversation with you about this music i'm not sure if i could but don't you think that might be partially because you didn't listen to that music when it was you know in, in the context because i mean honestly well, right, it's not that i didn't listen to it in the context um mm-hmm. muddy waters i i did i think i understood music a little differently back then than i do now like mm-hmm. for example when i heard this album i enjoy it now more than i did back then mm-hmm. right because i think back then i was Obviously, I was really into the Wu-Tang sound, but if it wasn't the Wu-Tang sound, I wanted something that I could recognize like from the radio. Mm. You know what I mean? And so this album didn't have enough of those joints for me then. Mm. Right. So I think, though, that when I think about like even when I think about like EPMD's catalog, you know, obviously you have was it Strictly Business is their debut. But when yeah. you when you think about that, like one of the reasons why that album is so classic is because some of the loops that Eric Sermon took some of the beats that they made like they were later remade into oh, other yeah. classics right oh, and yeah. so obviously you know it was a well-reviewed album at the time but you even had to go back and give Eric Sermon a lot of props for being just like ahead of the curve in terms of what he was doing with his production and obviously you've got some classic records in between on some of his on some of their projects right you have some, some really really good singles I think I noticed a trend right when we talk about pivotal works from the time frame um mm-hmm. The records that are rooted in funk, which was more so a West Coast concept than it was an East Coast concept at the time, you tend to not like. So, like, we talked about EPMD, right? I'm, I'm huge EPMD on that. EPMD is huge on funk. I, I, I'm, 
That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And you're like, eh, their their catalog's no. fine. Other people flipped it and now oh, like, no, no, I think you missed. I think you missed what I'm saying. Red man, known to be one of the early cats who, yes. who flipped uh, Master Ace. You know his album that many people consider a classic. Known to be one of the early East Coast records mm -hmm. that flipped funk. Sure. Like I feel like all of those records, you're like, eh, they're fine. No, I think that you're putting. I think that you're projecting. I'll be honest. I think you're projecting. Okay, how so? Because I'm not saying that these records aren't good records. I think that obviously Strictly Business is a very pivotal piece of music and it is like a classic. What like you didn't even really let me finish. So I'm saying that the the albums that EPMD was putting out, they obviously have some really, really classic records there. But in terms of like some other like really really landmark albums you know what i mean like is anything that they did on the scale of like try call quest low end theory or midnight marauders i would say no you know is anything on the scale of the chronic or doggy style i was or illmatic i would say no so epmd's albums came out in the 80s and you're comparing them to albums that no, came but from the prime I'm of hip-hop in to, the middle of the 90s. So Strictly Business, I said, was obviously a classic record. I said that. Oh, you did? Yeah, I did. Yeah. And I said that one of the reasons why we do look on it is because he was so far ahead of his time. Was like mm -hmm. we Because there's some there's some records on there that aren't, you know, some of the filler tracks are not very good, but that that's fine. I think that one of the reasons why we look back at that album so fondly is because there were songs on there that were later even reproduced again that were just so you know like the hip-hop um ain't no nigga right like that was the it's my thing or, mm -hmm. like there's a couple other records like that right mm -hmm. so i'm saying that's one of the reasons why we look back at that so fondly but i think that the rest of the catalog is definitely good basically my ultimate point here is that i'm not sure if any of the members in this group had what it took to really really make a classic album like uh, with the exception of strictly business mm -hmm. right i'm not sure if, if the rest of them did i think that dare is a dark side it's good and the rock wilders beat on there is really dope i think it's like bobbing your head or something like that it's like one of the first tracks on there it's a really dope record but i also just think it's just tough to really say that these individuals were capable of making just like classic records i right? wholeheartedly disagree okay. about red man um i think one of the reasons why people were so high on red man's first two albums is because he Wait, first two or first or second and third or second and third album okay. well really first three okay is because um he produced the majority of them himself i think um, what the album i think actually eric sermon produced most of it i don't think that's true okay yeah um so uh he he was somebody who came out of def squad hit squad that was majority eric sermon eric sermon was focused on a lot of other projects mm -hmm. um it, you know it's it, the lore is he basically learned had, had taught himself how to produce and produced a lot of those records another big part of his formula was that he was very heavily influenced by funk there was a lot uh, kind of almost a split between the way the east coast sounded and the west coast sounded east coast artists took a lot of jazz samples west coast artists took a lot of funk samples mm -hmm. epmd being one of the first east coast groups to take a lot of funk samples because of pmd's influence. i like that about them too uh red man also being uh, someone who took a lot of funk samples and so there's a, a distinct sound on that uh the the, the first few albums from mm -hmm. red man which For is sure. very funk influenced i think though that that red man is is definitely somebody who's who can stand on his own too in terms of making albums. And I think it's somebody who has a lot of critical acclaim for his first few albums. I think the problem that I have though with Redman is just that he doesn't always talk about much. And I think that for the type of music that he has, 
you have a lot of a lot of songs that kind of sound the same and he has the same energy so particularly on there's a dark side and muddy waters he kind of has the same style it's like a, it's almost like a one-trick pony yeah that's you know what I mean? I, and i and i think he's dope lyrically i, I love redman mm-hmm. you know I'm, this is not a criticism of redman i'm not necessarily talking about him as him as the mc or as a featured artist i'm just talking about putting an actual music mm-hmm. together and i think that given his style it's just so straightforward not much variance that is to me what kind of like drag some of those projects down yeah, so think, and that that could just be a personal thing for me yeah i think some of it is time frame i think you know that, that we're looking at a time i'm even just this death squad album in and of mm-hmm. itself is not about anything right none right. of the verses are about anything no um, they're not. and and at the time you know mid to late 90s like it was kind of okay you know it was kind mm-hmm. of good enough to create something that wasn't necessarily about anything like you could make a whole album where you're just talking about whack MCs and that, that was good enough, yeah. right? I think with Redman though, Redman was one of the early people to kind of make a character, see out an experience of that character throughout an album. Mm-hmm. Um, and later we had that emulated by Slim Shady, who, sure. you know, Eminem. Um, I think Redman's definitely a precursor to, to that. Um, and, and Eminem and loves Eminem, Redman, by the way. Right. Yeah. And that, that's like is, one of his favorite MCs. Uh, exactly. And Eminem is, is somebody who folks see as one of the greatest MCs. Mm-hmm. We don't have to <laughs> go sure. relitigate sure, that. Sure, sure, sure. Um, but, you know, so I think, you know, just time frame definitely has something to do with it. I've discussed why actually the whole creating a character or a caricature of yourself and then and then seeing that through as your rap persona makes it a lot easier to rap mm-hmm. and is one of the reasons why I think folks that do that, I don't put them up on as high of a pedestal. And I think that that might be one of the criticisms that you have with those albums is that you're not going to get a lot of personal and reflective art from somebody who is a character, you know, because if you're a cartoon character, you don't have the variations of these are the struggles that I went through as a person. And these are the unless you're really, really seeing it through. And I've really mm-hmm. only seen that done on a couple of different albums, maybe Black Trash by, you know, Sticky Fingers and oh. um, Prince Paul, Prince Among Thieves, oh, yeah. like. Very rarely do you see like the ups and downs of I'm going to take this character and I'm going to give this character flaws and struggles and I'm going to put that out on, on an album. So I think those are some of the reasons why you may not have gotten those on the early Redman albums. But back to this one, you were going to make it a classic, right? Yeah. So I think that for me to make the classic, first of all, there's a lot of good content here. So mm-hmm. let me just start with the tracks that I would absolutely keep. Mm-hmm. Basically, all the highlights I'm talking about, right? Like Checking Me Out, Countdown, Full Cooperation, Ride With Us. I'm keeping y'all niggas ain't ready. I might start the album with it just because it seems like it might be like an intro track. Okay. And I'm keeping Say Word. I am keeping Death Squad Delight and I like that it's mm-hmm. it's at the it's the last track, so it's kind of like a bonus track. Right, right, right. So I'm keeping that. So one of the things that you discussed, or one of the things that you mentioned that I agree with is that I don't think that Eric Shemin should be the sole producer. Mm-hmm. I think that there's some other producers that they've worked with or that I think would sound good with them. So I hadn't considered Jay Dilla, but I like that. That's a mm-hmm. really, really good suggestion. Someone else that they could have had on here was The Rockweiler. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? You got you got The Rockweiler on tracks with but, but, with Redman going back to the early 90s. You but, know? This is, but this is 98 Rockweiler. Don't you kind of feel like he came into his own maybe about four years later? Well, I wouldn't say four years later. I would say the next year because the 99 was a blackout. You're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. right. So, but I'm just saying that like there's some other producers that I think kind of could have sounded well. Mm -hmm. So I think that if you had someone like, um, like I said, like a Rockweiler, I do like the Jay Dillon suggestion. I think Mm -hmm. that's really, really appropriate given the time frame. I think that even if you had someone like No ID, Mm -hmm. um, the stuff that he did with Common, I think 
It would have been a lot jazzier. It would have been a lot jazzier. Yeah. It would have been a lot jazzier. But I think that like a track, like, you know, mm-hmm. a track, I think that if you had someone like Quick, you know what I mean? That could have sounded really, really good. Because yeah. um, Quick was starting to come back out again and it was putting and out some Sermon good liked Quick a lot. He, yeah. uh, his next two albums had a, a Quick joint on them. Okay. Um, the Eric Onassis one that you see in the next in the chronology in 2000 had a, a DJ Quick record. The other thing to it, I, I almost think it, it depends on what you want this album to be, right? So mm. it, this... Like keep in mind uh, the some of the other projects that I listed that we've talked discussed before, mm-hmm. you know they were coming out around this time frame. So how exactly do you want this to be a classic? Do you want mm-hmm. this to be a classic in the sense that hey, this is like kind of like an underground project and it's just all good music, mm-hmm. or is this something that it's a classic because these hits are on the radio and we just grew with them, right? Because right. like I said. I listened to this album for a couple of weeks, gave it back to my friend, and I haven't listened to it again since you know a week ago. Right. So none of these songs ever really grew with me. Mm-hmm. So I think that if we're going that angle to say, hey, we need to make a more pronounced project, we need mm-hmm. to get some hits on the radio, then let's get some hits on the radio. So, so how do you approach those Maybe hits? we get like a Swiss Beats in there, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, that could be a little tough. I'm not sure how he would gel with like Keith Murray. Yeah. I think that Redman might be able to work with Swiss, maybe. Mm-hmm. But maybe someone like... Um, um, maybe even a Timbaland. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that I always like to throw out the DJ Premier name in there. And I think mm. that DJ Premier could have done something dope with them. Yeah. But I think that let's get some other producers in here that want to actually make something for the radio because, mm. you know, with the exception of Death Squad Delight, they didn't have anything on the radio. You know, yeah. Full Cooperation was a video yeah. and it was a dope video. But like, why was it Ride With Us more pronounced? That should have had yeah, a video. Definitely. That song is dope as yeah, shit. Yeah, that joint's hard. I, I think though, that kind of also shows us that maybe we needed to take them out of their bag a little bit mm-hmm. you know it seems like they they got with too short and they created a really dope piece of music yeah maybe we needed more features here um, i think so so that's the other thing i was going to yeah. mention uh one of the features for sure where the fuck is met the man seriously like how do you have <laughs> how do you have a red man project and met the man is not on here i mean look yeah. on the muddy waters you had uh oh, i forget the name of the song but he's definitely on there mm-hmm. and then around that time you also had the um was it hi hi yeah, yeah. Met the man, red man. That was the Met the yeah, man, red man Meth project. Red. And this is this is before Takao 2000, but this is still peak Met the man, right? Yeah, like yeah. we didn't realize that Met the man was gonna fall off until Takao 2000 Judgment Day. But you know, still riding the Wu Tang Forever wave, you have Met the man at the peak of his powers. That's real. You know what I mean? And he's still one of the pivotal MCs. Yeah. You know, for people to say that, oh, he's in the title of the of the best out right now. Yeah. That wasn't a crazy statement to make yeah so get met the man on this album you, and you know you who can, else i put on here oh, i would have said jay-z but who were you gonna say i was gonna say odb because actually hmm. in terms of an individual oh, yeah, who can, can like who can get on a record that's not really about anything yeah. and really take it somewhere it was like odb like i i feel like odb's written all over this album so you're correct in terms of how he would have sounded i would have mm-hmm. loved to have seen a collab with red man and odb i think that yeah. would have been great i think odb was probably in jail Probably mm. that's my guess. That's just my guess. <laughs> you can you can guess it's that every year. It's just my guess. It's just my <laughs> guess. I mean, I think that ODB, from the moment that he first went to jail until uh-huh. the moment he died, probably spent more years in jail than he did outside. That's just a guess. He did just so. a guess. I don't want to disparage the man, but it's just a guess. But uh, nine. So ninety seven was was the Mariah collab, or was that ninety five? Uh, that might have even been like ninety six. Okay. 
Yeah. But um, the other person I, I think I might have had on here would be Jay-Z. I think he would have sounded really? perfect on that Y'all Niggas Ain't Ready. Mm. Um, it just has that kind of flow for him. But yeah. like, let's say you have a collaboration, like I said, with, with Timbaland. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have a Death Squad joint, you have Timbaland and you throw Jay-Z on there. Just mm. something, I think, to get us more attention because, like I said, when you had some other, these other projects that were just like paramount pieces of music mm-hmm. and then they put this together, like there's some really good stuff on here. Yeah. But, the whole marketing of the album and what they decided to do, they just kind of seemed like, hey, we're going to put it out here and we're going to throw it yeah. away. And that feels like that's kind of what happened. Yeah. You know? That's fair. Yeah. Another thing I would say is um, I think the the three in Def Squad and the time frame, mm-hmm. it almost feels kind of like they were saying, we've got these other threes. We've got De La Soul. Mm-hmm. We've got A Tribe Called Quest. This is the Def Squad, Hit Squad version of that. Yeah. It would have been dope to get like almost like a Def Squad meets De La or Def Squad meets Tribe or you know what I mean type deal. And I mean that could even be the segue into working with Dilla. That that might, might actually work. Mm. I kind of like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I hadn't thought about that, but that's a good idea. Mm. I think one of the things that this album suffers from, or one of the things that was working against this album, I think, mm. was when it was released, right? Because, mm. like, look. In 96 and 97, you had All Eyes on Me, you had Life After Death, you had uh, Wu-Tang Forever, although that one doesn't really count. But I would say that, you Pivotal know, albums. All Eyes, it's not that it's pivotal, I'm talking about like musical direction. Okay. Like music wasn't going where Wu-Tang Forever was going. Right. But you know, All Eyes on Me, Life After Death, like music is kind of going in that direction. Okay. Before that, this album kind of is a result of more of that like De La Soul, Tribe Called Quest, mm-hmm. Far Side. Mm-hmm. EP and D red man energy and I don't think that that's necessarily where hip hop was going even that's LL Cool point. J that's it even point. it even has that kind of energy yeah. but hip hop's not going in that direction yeah. hip hop is going Tupac but Biggie, see the, Nas, the, Jay-Z, the difference DMX. between this and like an LL Cool J right yeah. For the other ones you were talking about I agree wholeheartedly LL Cool J gave you that that one strong individual voice sure. that kind of gave it a direction. Sure. And I think that's what you're saying. And this that's what this is kind of lacking, right? Like the like the the Tupac, it was like very clear, you know, his voice and like what his image was about and and et cetera. And this Death Squad album doesn't have that at no, all. And you would even think Redman being the standout talent, you know, from the rapping perspective, he kind of more so would have sounded like the general on this album. And and we didn't necessarily get that. It's just kind of Felt. I think where we get that is in the feeling of the album, particularly particularly when it comes to the skits. Right, right. That's right. kind of where we get that. But you're right. I yeah. think from from a vocal standpoint, mm-hmm. you know, you hear Eric Sermon kind of take a back seat. Yeah. But maybe it should have been Redman stepping to the forefront. Yeah. Rather. Yeah. Maybe it should I mean, have been something like that. When you hear, you know, no diss to, um, you know, the five foot freak, mm-hmm. but um, when you hear Tribe, I feel like you know that Q-Tip is the front man. Yeah. You, you can feel it. Like, it's like, you know, this is the, the general, this is the conductor, and yeah. then everybody else in the group is following that direction. And I didn't really feel that on this album. No. I don't know how, how we combat that. Maybe, like you said, Redman has to be better. Maybe Redman needs to be better. But like I said, though, mm. it depends on what, what we want, right? Like, mm. I don't think that Redman is giving us an, a themed album mm. with him at the forefront mm. where it's just like, yo, there, like I learned so much from this. I mm. think that Redman is a damn fool to his credit. He's my favorite yeah, damn I fool. Like, I love Redman. Yep. Like, this is not a diss to him. I think hip-hop needs 
red mm-hmm. man you know what yeah, i mean but see all right so a good a good example is again ll cool j right okay. and again you know that i'm not a big ll cool j i'm fan. not either i'm sorry i get killed for this because i'm supposed to be hitting i got you back but, i got you back <laughs> but so when you hear ll cool j on posse cuts like four three two one or um, or what was the one joint uh, I shot you. I actually don't remember that one. Who else was uh, I shot you? I conversate with many men. It's time to begin again. Oh man, that's like I can't one believe of the I've best, heard the best posse guys. We'll, we'll, we'll watch the video. All right, all right, cool. Um, but yeah, this is this is like you know prime like phenomenon. I love. Yeah, because phenomenon. And, um, okay, that was like '97, I think. Yeah. So when you listen to I shot you or even four three two one, when LL comes on the track, he commands. He has a certain mm-hmm. presence to he where does. you know it's him, yeah. and it's his track. It's like he doesn't sound like a guest on his own track, right? Yeah. Even when he's with MCs that are better than him. I think Cannabis was better than him on four three two one. I think that uh, Prodigy was better than him on I shot you. But you know, even in those cases. When LL came on the track, I knew it was LL's track. Yeah, I didn't feel that from Redman. Like I didn't no. feel like this is my group. If, if this anything, is what I'm gonna do. You, you know kind of I mean? get that from Keith Murray, sadly. That's fair. You know, uh, he had that energy. Like, yeah, I'm the shit. Yeah, and I think that Redman was just having fun. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. So Keith Murray had this line that cats used to stay in the schoolyard all the time. Um, he said something like, "I lay a nigga down like a do rag and some grease." And I remember in the schoolyard, cats used to always say that. I don't know. For whatever reason, that line, like, really stood out. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, I agree that that Keith Murray seemed to have more of a commanding presence mm-hmm. than Redman did on here. And I would never want a great album to have Keith Murray as the commanding presence. I'm shaking my head, but <laughs> Yinka recognizes that that means I'm agreeing with him. Because <laughs> right. I, I wholeheartedly agree. So any other uh, any other ways that we could improve this album? No. Could we make it a... Do you think that we could actually make this a classic? I think that in order for it to be a classic, it would have needed to be genius musically. Mm. Like I said, I think that if we go the Dilla route, like you're suggesting, we could mm-hmm. probably do that. Mm-hmm. And it would have been needed to be something that... Didn't necessarily need the radio play, but people who still understood hip hop music, enjoyed hip hop music, would just would have been talking about it. But yeah. either either way, we still would have needed more videos. Yeah, okay? agreed. The other way is if we're going the commercial route, like I said, we need to get some commercial producers in there. We need to get some mm. commercial features in there, and then we could really put the album out there because it came out yeah. before Hard Knock Light. Yeah, I don't you think know? you can commercialize this and make it actually good. I think maybe you throw all your commercial eggs into one basket and you make one record kind of like Death Squad Delight or mm-hmm. whatever that may not even sound like the rest of the album, but it's a record that you know you can get some play and get some ears to. But I think, like you said, I think it becomes an art piece. I was going to piggyback on one of the other things that you said previously that I agree wholeheartedly with, which is that they would need to move away from cookie cutter concepts yes. to make this a good album. Absolutely. Um, you know, not the like one verse hook, Mm-mm. one verse. They, like they, you know, we talk about the chemistry or lack thereof of the locks. Everybody who's a big locks fan loves it when Jada and Styles kind of get their Go little back, and, back forth. and forth on. Things like that are what brings the strengths of having a group of lyricists together. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, they, they have the chemistry to do things like that. Yeah. They could they could be more creative with the way they structure their songs. Outcast is brilliant at oh, this. Yeah. I mean, you know, Outcast, Outcast is one right. of the greatest ever. Outcast to do a record where, I don't know, the, the first verse they'll go back and forth and then, you know, just one of them's on the second verse and then that's it. Or I mean, you know, think about like, Miss Jackson, right? The right. first two, the only hip-hop verses on that track are from Big Boy. And then you have have Andre coming in at the end 
with some singing, yeah. you know, hybrid rap stuff, and it's just like, yo, it works. Yeah, it yeah. works. It's yeah. a brilliant piece of music. Yeah, they approach music as musicians and not yes. as rappers. And, yeah, and I think you would need a little bit of that type of creativity to make this something that we would consider a classic. They don't even have any stories on here. They don't. They don't. Hip hop at this time was That's doing several true. things. You had to have at least one story, yeah. and you had to have a track for women. There's yeah. no lady cuts on here. They like, could have had a really dope story too. With which one? With no, the like, like oh, they could have the, like, yeah, done so. something like Nas Body in the Trunk, Nas mm -hmm. and Nori, like like a record that's like, I don't know, we went and we robbed a bank or something yeah. like that. And then they could have made a whole video around it. Like I, I would have loved to actually, that particular concept, I think would have been perfect for them, right? Yeah. Their concept is like, they're sitting around, they realize they're not getting any money because their album's not going to sell. Mm -hmm. Like, like that would be yeah. some Red Man type yeah, yeah, shit, yeah, right? Yeah. So they're like, fuck this, we're going to go rob a bank. He's he's talked about that <laughs> in other albums. Yeah. You know, I mean, and everybody remembers when he did the MTV Cribs uh, joint. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. And his broke-ass uh, house or whatever. But he's like, yeah. fuck it, man. Like, this is where I live. I'm still in the hood, y'all. It's Brick City, y'all. Yeah, the dollar box. <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah. Red Man. He is so good. So yeah, they, they, they're not getting enough money off this album because they're their label screwing them and so they're gonna they're gonna go rob a bank and like the whole you know scenario is set up where they're telling us about you know what the plan is and then you know who you know almost i think the locks did something similar right on that song that you don't like where they're talking about uh robbing a place or something and then oh i know what you're talking about yeah the grenade one yeah yeah something like that you know some dead president <laughs> and then they could they could remake dead presidents as the music video but just red like man a, would a, make a it spoofy hilarious. yeah like a spoofy one red man would, would be hilarious that. With that the would mask be hilarious and everything. so basically yeah. like bank robbery gone wrong yeah oh yeah. yeah there's so much there's so much potential in this album yeah. actually and red man's hilarious so i mean i feel like I feel like Redman's hilarious and Eric Sermon is the opposite of hilarious. Yeah. And then can you imagine Keith Murray in the um in the viral era? Mm -hmm. Like Keith Murray is somebody who's known to have been in so many fights publicly. <laughs> He's whooped 98% of those people's asses. He's been knocked out 2% of those times. But just he would have he would have just been the guy that they would have just let go out there and be who he is as a human, mm -hmm. and people would would come back to the album because they'd be like, "This guy keeps getting in fights on YouTube." Ah <laughs> oh, man, there's a lot of good ideas. It's it's yeah. hard to really figure out which ones we would put together to really you know package this, or which ones we would package to yeah. really make this a classic. But it definitely had a lot of potential. I mean, like I said, there's some good music on here. Oh yeah, or at least there's some there's some good beats and some good lyrics. Mm -hmm. Maybe the songs probably needed some. I mean, I think that in terms of actual just songs go, I think that, you know, full cooperation and ride with us. I like Say Word. I'm actually surprised that's not a highlight for you. That beat is amazing to me. Which one is that again? It's the one where, it's the one that, uh, I forget, I can't tell you how the beat goes, but the Keith Murray verse is also on the Fuck Master Class oh, Volume 3. That it's that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. joint was cool. Yeah. It wouldn't be a highlight for me, but it was just good. Kind of like No Guest List. I don't think No Guest List is bad. I remember Kenny back in the day always going, There is no, no guest, guest List tonight. tonight. <laughs> so, so that joint was cool, but yeah. uh, I, I wouldn't consider it a highlight. No. But yeah, I would say, man, I think to summarize some of the ideas that I think were our definite keepers, Method Man on this album, mm -hmm. definite keeper. I would love to see ODB on this album if we could get him. Dilla. Um, I like the Dilla. Yeah, that's Dilla a really good and, idea. I hadn't and, thought about that. Um, and Eric Sermon situation together. I think we make this a succinct album. Mm -hmm. So maybe like 13 tracks. Well, it's only um, 15 minutes long. I mean, it's not too yeah, bad. Yeah, it's not bad. I'm just, I'm just saying to make this a classic. Yeah. Um, I think we would need to keep it concise. 
And I think we would need, as you said, at least one, if not a couple of records. This was back in the day where every album had like a DJ premiere beat or a DJ quick beat or, you know, they would need at least one record that was like away from their sound produced by somebody that was outside of it. Yeah. And I mean, just be better. Um, We need a a clear leader in terms of, of, of vocal, you know, presence. We're hoping that that person is Red, Red Man, Man obviously. who steps no, up. No, it's right? not we're hoping. That person <laughs> needs to be Red Man. Right. And I think those are those are like the the ones that I think are, are the most solid. Did you have any? I'm not going to add anything to that. I think that yeah. pretty much summarizes both of our points rather nicely. Yeah. Cool. So difficult album to make a classic. Shout out to Ken Dog for listening. Um, I hope we we, we helped a little bit. I, I'm I would love to hear what your comments are on yeah, this one because we too. we try to get at it. And for everybody else that listens to the '80s babies, just know, um, you know, comment, send us Facebook messages, whatever you want to do. Um, we're definitely gonna try to take folks' feedback and incorporate it into the show to make it a better show. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else you want to add? So we've got a couple put you ups we're considering doing. We've got the Nori album, which is a put- N-O-I-A. Nori. Yeah, and that's a put you up for me because I actually have not listened to it. I, I'm familiar with the record, obviously. There's some songs on there that I know, but I never I've yet to actually listen to it just because Nori wasn't I like him, but he just wasn't that guy for me. Agreed. So I had a couple I had a conversation have had a few separate conversations with a few seven five seven cats, and maybe uh-huh. it's just me being in this area. But that actually consider that album a classic. Okay, so, so we're gonna talk about like, that yeah, one. Be fun to there's discuss. also there's a dizzy dizzy rascal project yep. that we're gonna do. Put you up for Boy in a corner. And uh, the one that I suggested uh, we're gonna do. Put you up for Yinka, which is the Dead Ringer album from RJD2. Yes, so sir. if you all want to listen to any of these projects. Um, so you can prepare yourself for the show. What Please we're going to talk about, we're going to give you the chance to do so. So I'm not sure when those are going to be released, but those are some upcoming podcasts we got in the works. And if you got any other records that you want us to do, definitely let us know. Particularly, um, one of the things that we're trying to do more of because we've gotten positive responses from it is uh, tributes. Mm-hmm. So if there's an album anniversary that's coming up, definitely drop it in the comments or send us a message and we'll try to tackle that as well. Particularly if it's an R&B one too, we might do a a couple of those just to branch out a little bit just a little bit like sure, i said sure. like the janet jackson one just yeah. you know we already did the bobby brown and the new edition but keep in mind we try to keep it on a round number so 20 years 25 years 30 years or fives yeah 15 yeah yeah, yeah. so anyway i think that should wrap it up all right peace peace now what you hear is not a test, I'm a rapper to the B. It's just me, the groove, and my squad, we're gonna try to move your feet. See, I am the doctor spot, and I like to say hello. I do the black, to the white, the red, and the brown, the purple, and yellow. But first, I gotta bang, bang, the boogie to the boogie, say up, jump, the boogie to the bang, bang, boogie, let's rock. You don't stop, rock the rhythm, let it make your body rock. Now, so Voice, I brought, I brought two friends along, uh-huh. and next door the mic is my man E. Come on, East uh-huh. that's all. Uh-huh. Well, I'm empty dip, the ladies pimp, the women's fight for my delight, cause I'm the grandmaster with the three MCs that shock the house for the young ladies. And when you come inside and to the front, and you do the freak spank and you do the bump, and when the sucker MCs try to prove a point, the trust is trio, and with a serious joint, and from sun to sun, and from day to day, I sit back and write a brand new rhyme, because they say that miracles never Cease. I created a devastating masterpiece. I'm gonna rock the mic so you can't resist. Everybody, I said it goes like this. See, I was coming home late one dark 
door to stop me for an interview. She said she heard stories and she heard favors. Let them misses on the mic and the turntables. This young reporter I did adore. Stop rocking through this rhyme like I never did before. She said, damn fly guy, I'm in love with you. Said the castle of a legend must have been true. I said, by the way, baby, what's your name? She said, I go by the name, a lowest name. And you can be my boyfriend, you truly can. Just let me quit my perfect call Superman. I said, he's a fairy, I do suppose. Flying through the air and panty holds. He may be very sexy or even cute, but he looked like a sucker in the blue and red suit. I said, I need a man who got finesse and his whole name. Of course, it's chess. He may be able to fly all through the night, but he can't rock a party through the early light. He can't satisfy you with his little worm, but I can bust you out with my super sperm. I go do it, I go do it, I go do it, do it, do it. Do it. And I'm everywhere, so just throw your hands up in the air and pour your heart like you just don't.